Hey, Jantans and Jantanites, it's Jason Desmond from the Jantan Collective. Welcome to a new edition of What's Up With That, where we question, we learn, and we grow. Now remember, subscribe, like, and comment below. In fact, click on the little bell button if you want to get one of those uh, notifications from us. And also, do get in touch with us also if there's something that you want us to talk about. We want to hear from you, all right? Now, um, these are difficult times, no doubt about it. In fact, it's like shit hit the fans kind of times. So experts are using words like uh, unprecedented, uh, devastating. So why are we pretending that we've kind of got things under control when we really don't, right? Why can't we say we're nervous? Why can't we say we're stressed? In fact, why can't we say we're just filled with anxiety? I mean, what's up with that? And today to help us get more insights into anxiety, clinical anxiety, clinically diagnosed anxiety, we have with us Professor Dr. Alvin Ng Lai Un. Uh, he's a professor and head of Department of Psychology with Sunway University. Uh, and also we have Amirul Hazik Umar, officer in the marketing department of an international NGO who has lived through anxiety. He was diagnosed with anxiety uh, at 17 years old. He's now 27 and... Uh, you still live through it, right? Has it? You still actually technically have yeah, it, but yeah. it's under control now, would you say? Yeah, it's under control now, you know, uh, with the treatment that uh, that I receive. So it's, I can see it's under control now. So it's way better than during the first time when I was diagnosed. All right. We'd love to find out more. We'll get into when it first happened, when you first felt it was spiraling, spiraling out of control. But let's get... Uh, uh, Professor Dr. Alvin Ng in. That's a the title is super long, but um, Dr. Alvin, what yes. is anxiety really? Because there's so many different ways of classifying it. I've seen it's a generalized anxiety disorder. There's social anxiety. There's specific phobias. There's panic disorder. What is anxiety? All right. Well, the thing is, when you mention the term anxiety, it basically means what all of us feel on a daily basis. All right, so anxiety is a very natural emotion that we all have. But when you talk about generalized anxiety disorder or obsessive compulsive disorder, you're talking about uh, an anxiety disorder. So we need to differentiate between anxiety and anxiety disorders. So um, in, in this, uh, I guess, forum, we are talking about anxiety disorders. Mm. Because if you just say anxiety, it's a day-to-day -day thing. It's natural because it's adaptive. We need to have some form of anxiety for us to, to survive. Otherwise, we are so chill that we won't want to get out of bed. Right, but right. the thing is, when we have too much anxiety to the point that it leads to dysfunction, meaning we have difficulties uh, doing the things that we want to do every day, you know, it causes impairment and loss of distress, then that's where it, you need to do something about it actively. And this is something that Hazik has uh, lived through. So... I suppose if you want to talk about anxiety as a disorder, you're looking at dysfunction, you're looking at being incapacitated, where it's so difficult to handle it to the point that it disrupts your whole day. It disrupts your relationships, it disrupts your, um, your work, um, to the point that you really need professional help. So that's what we are talking about. Um, and of course, uh, having all that would cause a lot of distress to you as well as, as to the people around you. And that's why we call it a disorder. But how do we know when it's too bad for us to handle? Because maybe we've 
grown up with it. We've seen mm-hmm. people having this around us and whatnot. At what point do we know that I think I need help? Well, the thing is, if you find that you've got difficulties handling anything, even if you, you feel that uh, you may not be too serious, seek help anyway. Because what I would really encourage is to get it addressed as early as possible. Because when it gets uh, worse, firstly, it takes longer to learn how to manage it. It's going to cost you a lot more because you may need to go for medication quite, you know, for quite some time, at least two years. And it's not cheap. Medication, they, it, it helps reduce your symptoms, but it does not actually help teach you the skills to manage. So apart from medication, you also need to learn skills. And that usually comes from uh, a psychologist or a counselor. If, if they're, they're, you know, they're also trained in, in helping you with it. So um, for me, as long as you find that, that you have difficulties adjusting, uh, you try and your friends uh, have tried to help you and, and you still have difficulties, seek help. Even right. if you find that you are not too serious, seek help anyway, just to learn it so that you know what to do. So uh, that would be case, my advice. You said at 17, you sought help, like what uh, Dr. Alvin mentioned. Why did you seek help at that particular time? Was it getting really, really bad? Was it spiraling out of control? But during that time, I don't have any knowledge what is uh, anxiety is. So the story began when uh, I was sitting for my SPM examination. Uh, during that time, I was in Form 5. So I was on... Uh, on a pure science courses. So during that time, I still remember it is uh, it was an additional mathematics uh, at maths paper, second paper. So the question is really, really difficult. So when I try to see all the questions, I start to feel panicky, uh, start my hand in the, in the, you know, the, the examination hall is really, really wide. So I start to feel panicky, uh, shaking, and then... Did you uh, feel it before you got into the exam hall, though? No, during when this I started... To, yeah, during when, when, I start, when I started to notice that I can't answer most of the questions. So the, the negative thought uh, started to come to my mind. What if I fail this paper? Do I need to re- need to reset... Uh, need to take this examination again. Yeah, so then the physical st- symptoms started to, to show. Uh, started to have a palpitation. I started to have uh, a sweating. Uh, my, my, my palms start to sweating. My hand palm start to have mm-hmm. a tremor. Yeah, and I, um, even worse, I feel like I want to faint. So feel like a dizziness and also a vertigo. So what happened is I can't tie the question paper. So, uh, and I need, I call the invigilator because uh, Cikgu, I cannot ikat this, uh, this paper. So I to give you help. a benang and everything, right? Last time. Yeah, the benang. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, then uh, the teacher started to help me. And then after that, I story to, I bring this to my, uh, parents yeah so they bring me to to the medical officer uh, see the, the general practitioner and then uh, 
the doctor said that this is maybe one of the symptoms of panic attack plus anxiety. Yeah, and then he made a referral later to the HUKM. Then my dad bring me to, to the psychiatrist. Then after a few long assessment, I think a long one hour, he, he took my history and everything. Mm. And uh, he diagnosed it with a generalized anxiety disorder, GAD, plus right, right. Uh, some sort of panic attack. Yeah. And before this, you've never had any I experiences? Nev- I never have. Yeah, that was my first time I, I feel it. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so was that the first exam paper that you were taking for SPM, or you've gone, you had other papers, and you're completely fine? Uh, I'm that that is not the first paper. Uh, we have uh, like the you know before that we have a bahasa Melayu sejarah history. Uh, not not that not that quite difficult. Right. Then you know during okay. so when AdMath yeah, came still, up, you you basically freaked out and then yes i freaked out was yeah. that the last paper no yeah how did uh it's not really a last paper but i think it's almost the last day of the spm yeah okay but you did spm thing so you didn't have to go back for other papers no and then uh, i think the the is the second last paper yeah the last paper is uh i think uh biology so after could the you, last you do day that? of the spm i can do that uh a bit better, far better than the additional mathematics. Yeah. Right. So it was And just plus, at that moment you just, you know, spaced out in a way. At that moment, yeah. And then after, after that also, you know, after I went out from the uh, examination hall, I can still feel the palpitation, can still feel, uh, you know, very difficult to breathe, uh, dizziness, fatigue. I don't know why. What happened? You know what the hell is this? So yeah, I I bring this to my to my parents' attention. Then they immediately bring me to. What did they say? Were they surprised? Your parents? They also they also don't have any any knowledge on this because you know we don't have any even me also don't you know, they don't have any uh, basic knowledge on on this uh, psychological disorder, right? And there's no family so, history, obviously. No. Yeah, no. So I'm considered the first one that you know uh, was diagnosed with this anxiety disorder. Yeah, maybe by my dad, he said maybe he have, but you know it's not like worse as me. Right, Doctor Alvin, yeah. is anxiety and panic uh, attacks and such are they hereditary? Um, well, we know from research there's there's some percentage, but you know. Um, The reason why anyone would have any kind of anxiety attack, I mean, there are so many factors that interact to, to lead to it. I mean, what Hazik experienced, that is, is, uh, what he shared, is um, quite, quite a common, you know, kind of anxiety attack where, you know, at that point, you feel like you're just probably going to explode. You don't know what to do. Everything shakes. I've had it before. Uh, really? In fact, it was just three years ago. Yeah. Um, and the thing about um, an anxiety attack is it's an attack. It's it's a once a once off thing, but it happens again and again to the point that it makes you just anxious generally, and that's uh, how you experience your day to day life to the point that it impairs you. You know you have difficulties actually doing the stuff you're supposed to do. Then it becomes a disorder. But when well, you say again and is, again, Doctor Alvin, are you yeah. saying like? Every day or every once in a while, it yeah, happens. Yeah, 
pretty much every day, most of the time, um, to the point that you just have difficulties managing your life. So what I had was more of an attack, just once. I actually yeah, thought on. I was having a heart attack. I had wow. to run to the you know, uh, emergency department and good thing it was just down the road. So, but then when I got checked out, they say, hey, your heart is okay, everything's fine. You so know, what was it like, shortness of breath? Your, did you feel pain mm, in your heart? Uh, yeah, uh, not, not pain, like chest tightness and right, stuff, right, okay. similar to what uh, Hazik felt. Um, and it's just to, to show that it can happen to anyone at any time. No, right. I'm known as kind of a cool person, but I guess uh, that was at a very heated meeting. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, I had tremors in my hand. I was having cold sweat. And I thought, hey, what's going on here? Um, and even me, I'm a trained clinical psychologist. Exactly. I yeah. should know these things better, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought it was a heart attack. So uh, that's because, you know, my my uh, family has got history of heart attacks. So I thought, oh, oh. my right. cousin just had one the other day, you know, what's going on here? And apparently, it was a panic attack anxiety attack but that's a, a single episode what was Once the trigger I, I know, you remember ah oh well um given a very big um responsibility <laughs> really from work yeah leadership ah work. right right. yeah yeah and I'm, I'm the kind of person who would just shy away from all this kind of stuff but i was given it i'm like <gasps> oh no right um so yeah i panicked that way and if i were hasek also facing um you know, an AdMats paper, I would probably panic too because I totally yeah. hated AdMats. Um, yeah, but the thing is, if it happens again and again and again, it becomes a disorder because you just have difficulties handling your life. And there are many kinds of anxiety disorder. General anxiety disorder is just one of them. There is also specific phobias, specific phobic disorders where you are afraid of something in a very unreasonable way. Like, you know, most of us are afraid of snakes, but, you know, how many of us are actually afraid of a picture of a snake? You know, if we freak oh, out seeing a picture of a snake. Yeah, people do. And even cartoon snakes, some people can, can get so freaked out that they cannot manage themselves at that time. How's it? That's you have any of those? In... No, right? Uh, no. <laughs> Just checking. I guess in, in, in Hazik's case, it's more of uh, generalized anxiety. So every now and then, he may have the shakes here and there. But by now, I'm sure you would know how to handle it, right, Hazik? Yeah. You still yeah. feel anxious, but you're better able to, to manage it. And that's yeah, what most of us feel. But do you I get medication though? I mean, in your case, you did need medication, right? Who, me? Yeah, Dr. Alvin, yeah. Um, no, not at the time. I mean, they laughed and sent me back. <laughs> and emergency people are like, you're just going through a panic attack. You know, you're okay, fine, go home. <laughs> oh my God. But Hazik, you had, uh, when you were yeah. diagnosed, did you get medication? Yeah, the, I still remember the doctor started to prescribe me with a medication. It's called uh, Escitalopram, Lexapro. So it's fall under, he said that this is uh, an antidepressant. So I'm saying, I'm what the hell is this? I, uh, I'm having an anxiety disorder. And then you describe me with an antidepressant. Yeah. Are, you, are you trying to say that I'm having a depression? So yeah, so started from there, I start to deny. I start to become a denier. Okay, I am normal. I... I, what the hell is anxiety? The anxiety is I do. I'm really normal. I don't have any, you know, depression or what. So I'm trying to be to become try to ignore it as best as I can. Until uh, yeah. So after my examination, SPM examination, I feel very happy. So there's no distress, you know, at all. I stay at home. Uh, you know, during that time after SPM, we hoo ha hoo ha. 
have fun with uh, our friends, lepak at Mama every day, went to karaoke. And then I started to enter my university time. And uh, it was during my second semester. I entered the examination hall again. And I feel the same, like very the same situation when I was in Form 5. You know, I what was, what was the, the paper? Was it math again? Uh, no, it's, it's not a math, but uh, during that time, it's, it's quite a stressful because before that, uh, we have a, a deadline during our final week of uh, semester. So we have a lot of deadline. And then during that time, uh, I also joined a, like a military training. So yeah, so a lot of uh, pressure during that time. So I have a very short time to study for the paper. And then we have to, we need to sit for two papers at the same day. Yeah. So during the second paper, I still remember that I started to have the palpitation, shaking. Uh, yeah. So it made me remember what I, what, what I was feeling yeah, during my uh, math. Uh, form five. Yeah. So during that time, I yeah so I I still can answer the question but during that time I still don't have any knowledge what to deal with this kind of situation yeah so and after that after the examination finished the day after I went to our you know to to the health center of my uh, campus then the doctor said this might be due to my um, anxiety and panic attacks yeah so he gave me the some sort of the medication then uh, after during the semester break i decided to meet again with the uh my psychiatrist went back to hukm and yes from that from that point i started to you know started to accept that yeah i'm having this problem and i really need help from the expert so you've been have i'm trying to try to figure out the timeline right so from when you took the spm and then it was at math so the yeah. doctor gave you meds. Did you take it constantly yeah, after, that. after that until university, or you just took it one time and then you you just left it alone? I I took it one time only, yeah. And then, and then after that, I'm try to ignore as best I as I can. Yeah, I don't have any problem until I enter my university. Yeah. And then again, they put your meds. Did at that point you accepted? Did you con- continue to take the medication? Yeah, I did continue, and then at the same time, the doctor. Uh, you know, uh, started the treatment. After a few months, I'm taking, I have been taking uh, the medication. Uh, the doctor started to uh, pair me with a clinical psychologist. Yeah, so I started to went uh, for a psychotherapy session. Uh, yeah, so started to have a psychotherapy session with a clinical psychologist. And from that time, I started to to learn uh, about the coping skills, uh, what is the trigger. So it's mainly I undergone yeah, the treatment is called a uh, cognitive behavior therapy CBT. Yeah, right. So I, I went I that. Yeah, yeah, for quite a few sessions. Yes, and then it's really helpful. But you're working now, so you you're coping well, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's, it still happen, but you know, uh, with the experience and the the skills that I have, we call it as the tools. You know, so from that I can, you know, when it's it's happened again, I I I at least I can identify what is the trigger, and you know, I can 
and from right. there we I can make some some actions like practice a deep breathing and take control uh, of it you know, yeah take control did a journaling talk record uh, yeah monitor my talk yeah so that's what uh, what among the tools that helped me Dr Alvin would you say that Hazik's case is and, and I'm not trying to water whatever you're going through down is it a mild case of uh, anxiety because you mentioned disorder right is this a yeah. mild case of anxiety disorder well the thing is anxiety disorder is actually a whole umbrella right um and you know what hasik could have gone through the first time was probably a panic attack and and that does not necessarily mean that he had he has a, an anxiety disorder i mean for me i mean i'm not going to challenge uh, the psychiatrist's uh, diagnosis right. but i mean we we need to know the whole story and it is only what we know so far um when when is general anxiety a generalized anxiety disorder uh, you would see that a person is more or less anxious most of the time so if if hazi can say that after spm he had a nice time you know celebrating and it was it was okay then it's not really likely on hindsight to say that he had gad at the time maybe now it developed into into gad uh, that needs further uh, management and it's good that he has gone through cognitive behavioral therapy because like hazi said um pills do not teach you skills You know, when you're on on medication, medication basically reduces the symptoms that you have, so that it becomes more manageable. While you're on medication, when you're better managed, that's where you start learning skills, uh, cognitive skills, behavioral skills, how to activate your behavior in a way that would minimize any possible attacks in the future. To learn skills, um, and cognitively also, you need to keep on practicing. It's a lot of hard work, isn't it, Hasik? Hasik, yeah. A lot of practice yeah. can be very frustrating, and basically, you know that at any time you might get an attack again. So at least you are more in control over yeah. a potential attack, or that when you are about to get more anxious, you can sense that you're getting anxious and can do something about it. Why was he given antidepressants, though? I mean, it was that's a very good attack. question because you know a lot of people don't know that antidepressants also manage anxiety, and you know, um, I, I would. Uh, maybe the psychiatrist didn't, didn't tell him earlier on, but um, you know, a lot of people who are depressed may also be prescribed antipsychotics, and that right. may sound quite scary because you know, if you're depressed, you're not necessarily psychotic, which yeah. is like schizophrenia, gearing things, doesn't it? Yeah, it does feel extreme, you know. Um, but we need to look into the literature, into the scientific literature, uh, to find out more about why it's because many of these medications. Uh, are able to address uh, you know other diagnoses so for example hazik was given an antidepressant but the thing is anxiety and depre- depression they come together they're, they're like hand in hand mm. they're like two ends of the same stick when you get highly anxious and for a while if you are very anxious you are likely to become very tired after a while because you're fighting it all the time isn't oh, re- it oh, it's, wow. okay it's very frustrating it gets very tiring and once you're tired That's where you become depressed. So um, there was even talk of perhaps depression actually being together with anxiety. You cannot just uh, diagnose anxiety by itself. It has to come with depression, kind of thing. But uh, I will let the so-called experts. Uh, I wouldn't say so-called, but they are experts. Yeah. <laughs> um, debate on that. But the thing is, antidepressants do manage help manage anxiety, okay. um, and sometimes. You may even be given antipsychotics because they can regulate mood as well. It can help you feel calmer. In fact, antipsychotics can just totally knock you out. 
Right. Um, okay. Just feel sleepy most of the time. And that can also be a problem, isn't it? I don't know about Hasik, but you know, certain medication when you take, you become so sleepy, you can't function. Yeah, I've been told, because I have a friend who actually just went on on these meds and then she says that she's just constantly like, she feels a little bit, for lack of a better term, I suppose, blur. That she's a- yeah, kind of a zombie fight kind Correct. of feeling. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of term people use. And the thing is, when you're on medication, basically your whole lifestyle has to change. And unless someone is there to help you cope with that change in lifestyle, and your change in lifestyle would affect other people as well. Can you imagine if, if a husband is um, on medication and he's asked to take his medication at 8 o'clock, by 9 o'clock he's asleep. What right, would the yeah. rest of the family think? Yeah. It's like, hey, we need you to function after 9. Why must you take so early? Yeah. Because if he doesn't take it early, the next morning he won't wake up on time. <laughs> right. You know? so it affects so, more than just that person. Exactly. So when it comes to any kind of treatment, it, it has to be... Um, you know, a whole kampong to, to come together and understand what's going on. Right. Um, and that's where we need to have better mental health literacy. Right. Actually, it's not about being... Sorry? No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not about being normal or not normal. That doesn't factor in anymore. Yeah. It's either you are able to function or don't function. Right. Because at some Normalcy point, is a all of us have some idea. kind of issues mentally in some ways, right? Yeah, but we manage them, you see? Yeah. We are unhappy now and then. We are happy now and then. Okay. That's part of who we are. Yeah. But when it comes to a time where we are not able to manage and it drags on for, for a while, then that's where you need to, to look for help. Even I do that. Yeah. I, I'm burnt out. Right. Yeah, I go and, and seek counseling just to, you know, um, get better. Because I think we all need to be, to yeah. recognize that having mental health issues once in mm. a while, we all go through it and then we just need to recognize that I think sometimes we need some help, right? Because I'm just looking at this Soul's Health uh, study that was done. Apparently, Malaysian men are pretty okay when it comes to anxiety. I'm, again, I'm not trying to water this down, but when we compare ourselves to nations like Sweden, Lebanon, who's are constantly having some kind of um, peace issues there, and Korea and Nigeria, we're okay. But do you feel especially now that there are more people going through anxiety attacks um, or not necessarily disorders, but they're having some kind of uh, uh, a thing going on. Well, I guess in the age of COVID, uh, anxiety is at all time high for for everyone. You know, the threat of uh, losing a job, it's a real thing. A lot of people are losing their jobs and especially men. Men are usually seen as the breadwinner, you know, and um, that's where men's issues come in. The fear of losing a job means uh, you are likely to be very, very vulnerable. It's not a man's thing to be vulnerable. Yeah. So, um, of course, anxiety is going to be high. You know, because it's not just about the control. job. It's, you fear about, as you mentioned just now, if the husband mm-hmm. or the guy sleeps at 9 o'clock because he needs to be able to function or whatever it is, but he's technically not functioning. In this case, mm-hmm. COVID, we might mm-hmm. not even have money to feed our family. So that right. also causes anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even if we have a job, we're working from home and we've got kids running around, <laughs> you're going to be pretty stressed out. Yeah. And it's not just about anxiety, it's about the stress as well. It's, all, uh, it's, it's uh, overwhelming. So if you're overwhelmed, there's a natural tendency for you to fear what's going to happen in the future. And that's what anxiety is about. Anxiety is fearing what might happen in the future. 
Right. And then depression is more towards the past. And about your current self that you're not able to do something, you feel very disabled and that is very depressing. I I see. Actually, how's it? Are you working from home now? Yeah, I'm working from home right now. Do you you're you're 27, right? I I didn't get the the specifics of you. Are you married? Do you have kids or how, are you living with family now? Ah uh, yeah, I'm living I'm living with a family. Uh but right now my uh my parents uh move out from uh, uh just move out to a new house and apparently the uh, their new house is like a studio studio apartment so it's quite small though so and can only accommodate both of them one of my little sister so technically i'm living alone right now yeah. so are you concerned about your job right now with this pandemic Uh, I think it's a bit low right now. Yeah, it's a okay. bit better and better because I know this is, if you know, even the pilot lost their job, you know. Yeah. <laughs> even pilot and you know the. the hey, he's making right? good so, money right now, man. I just read about him. He's like, he's selling. Yeah, the Warung and, guy, is it? Yeah, exactly. He's doing yeah. really well. But I, I thought again, it's a very good gimmick, isn't it? <laughs> I know, but people are. It's it's a great time for people to pivot, right? But some people deal with it. A bit better because I just read that the National COVID nineteen psychosocial support hotline, which usually they average around 20 calls per day when this first started back in mm. March, mm. by the third week of MCO it started going to like average like 200 a day. The Talian Kasi helpline oh. received a record breaking 3,308 calls in April. It's up from its daily average of 145. This is from a Star report, the Star newspaper report. Souls Health, their website official viewership count almost tripled compared to the same month last year. So people are getting very, very stressed. But for for us here at the Jantan Collective, we're very. It's not that we're not concerned about the ladies, but we're very concerned because most of the time the men are the breadwinners. Uh, but we also keep reading about, like what Hasik mentioned, that the pilot. A lot of the guys have had to do a lot of other things. To try to make ends meet, and I'm sure it's stressful, but are the numbers going up? Are men right now more susceptible to anxiety attacks, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, Dr. Alvin? I think in terms of susceptibility, it's not just uh, men; it's everyone. So um, the susceptibility to anxiety attacks, I think, have always been there. Just that our situation now is different, and every one of us are somehow um, at risk. Of course, you know if you've got all the money in the world, you know you would have some kind of buffer. But still, you know, surely they they would also um, worry. But um, I would say it's situational, and because uh, jobs can be for men or, or women, and if men are the ones who are You know, traditionally the ones who bring in the income for the family, then of course you know you're going to have much higher pressure compared to a family who's got both um, husband and wife working. But there's also that extra thing in in some men that you know there's a feeling that you know as a man, oh, I should earn more than my wife, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, the male privilege, I would say. Correct. Uh, or rather, it's it's all psychological, definitely. Um, so yeah, men I would say would have to contend with that kind of perhaps a limitation. Or men just like this out of being macho, they they 
try not to tell people about it, they are less likely to report it. Maybe that's why the numbers don't Correct. Really yeah, and we know that from statistics. Men are less likely to, to report, less likely to go for help compared to women. Because uh, for me, I think it's because women are very comfortable with their own vulnerability. Mm. It's okay for women to be vulnerable because that's how femininity is also. Uh, and the thing about women is women have got the ability to be both masculine and feminine. Whereas for men, we only know how to be masculine because being feminine is a no-no. Yeah, There's so much stigma to attach to men being feminine, yeah, being nurturing and soft. Culture and it's a systemic problem, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, for men to say, oh, you know what? I need help here. I don't really know what to do. I feel very helpless. What do you get when you say that? Come on, man. Man grow. up, grow a pair. Man up, yeah. What's wrong with you? Do something. Yeah, yeah. And then, but I don't know what to do. I'm helpless. Yeah. And men are just not allowed to be that vulnerable. So that's a problem. Yeah. Right. That's a problem. Yeah. One thing about and COVID is, now, yeah. though, it's mm. like, and I love the fact that there's an actual term for this because I find myself doing this, especially during the early days. During the early days of of COVID. Uh, now, as you can see, the numbers have spiked because people just don't care about it anymore. They think they're in, uh, invincible. But it's a worry, isn't it? <laughs> that's another worry, right? Exactly. That yeah. that causes me anxiety. Just thinking about people who don't care, right? But there's exactly. like an increase of cyberchondria. I've never heard this before. Compulsively mm -hmm. searching on the internet about symptoms of illness, and especially during COVID. But don't people do that in general anyway, even before this pandemic? Because they always look for Dr. Google, right? Well, before Dr. Google is Dr. Um, Glossy Magazine. Oh, yes, yes. Every month, there'll be like a checklist where you tick off and go, oh my God, I've got this disorder. <laughs> um, yeah, one month is OCD, and next month is depression, and month after that is like PTSD or, or something. Correct. Um, but yeah, it, it is. it can be a, a problem because, you know, just like my own psychology students, uh, it's quite typical of any psychology students at second year when they learn abnormal psychology, every chapter they read, they will um, diagnose themselves. Like I've got some of these diagnoses and they get upset. Um, yes, so it's, there's a tendency for people to be, I suppose, um, wowed by all this information yeah. and then they start reflecting on themselves and get all worked up over it. Yeah, right. I never mm. knew that there was such a term actually, cyberchondria. So how's it? Uh, it's new to me too. Right? Yeah. When you see all this information flooding in on in the media and social media and people are saying this and that and Donald Trump saying he took this and whatever, right? How do you feel about that? Does, does that does that trigger you anywhere? Or do you feel like it's hard to breathe or whatnot? Okay. Uh, in terms of the social media, luckily I have the knowledge on how to control my social media consumption. Even I make uh, a reminder uh, on my phone, you know, like uh, every minute, uh, you know, my, my time screening is how many and I'm using WhatsApp, like, you know, how long. So I'm not that a person who like, uh, I, I know the limit of my, of my social media. You're not obsessed with it, right? Yeah, I, I'm not really that obsessed. So when I think when I'm overflowed with the information, I will stop and, you know, uh, distract myself with doing other other, other things. Yeah. So I'm not the one who is really obsessed. Uh, I'm not the one who, you know, like like the story in Insta story, the person who scroll from first until the end. So it's make me it's really headache. 
so I know it will trigger my my anxiety. So I I will try to to you know try to avoid it as best as I can. Uh, and I know when it comes to the social media consumption, like opening the Twitter, uh, I will only open it to you know just for the sake of uh, want to uh, get up to date with what happening uh, in in the outside world. And yeah, so I think, and also want to keep in touch with uh, friends. Sometimes I, I watch their stories, but I know the limit. Yeah, yeah. so, so it doesn't do, worry you. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, affect you at all. Uh, during the first, uh, during the first wave of the MCO, during the COVID nineteen happened, I think um, I'm too obsessed with the word of COVID nineteen MCO. I think we all so were during. Yeah, so during that time, I think I, I, I really obsessed. I scroll Twitter, you know, what happened. So until yeah, I... <laughs> right, we all were, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I think we, we all the same, right? Until I... I Suddenly, everybody became an expert. Everybody knew yeah. the numbers. They had a solution for it. No, no mask yes. and everything. And I'm like, suddenly everybody's a, a medical expert, right? And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, medical expert. All suddenly become the epidemiologists. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even me too, yeah. So when I decided, when when I started to realize, yeah, these things, this COVID nineteen is happening all around the world. So I can't control everything, uh, you know. So what the best I can do is focus. What I what has what uh, is just to focus what I can control. The things I can control, like you know, controlling yeah. my diet watch my exercise, you know, practicing self-care. Yeah. So that is the, after, after a few months, the things getting better, you know, I try to avoid the social media as best as I can. Yeah. But of course I still, I, I still, I still watch the news. So I yeah. can't deny the fact when, whenever I bought, I will scroll to Twitter, but then, you know, uh, it's not, not for, uh, it's, it doesn't affect really, uh, everything has a limit. I put a limit to myself. Actually, uh, Dr. Alvin, are there are there male specific anxieties like anxieties that only men go through that only men will understand and women go what you know? Of course, there are some things that only women will understand that we will never understand, like menopause and hot flashes and stuff like that. <laughs> right? We will we we will never know. But are there yeah. very male specific? Um, Anxieties? I guess there's some, you know. Um, usually men are, are seen as being uh, more perverted and obsessed with sex. Yeah. And so when it comes to uh, performance anxiety, it's there. Yes. You know, yes. you want to be macho and it's all spoiled by porn. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, you expect to, to be a super performer when actual stats... It doesn't show it. Um, and then, of course, uh, I was what I was alluding to earlier is the, um, the whole anxiety of losing control, losing, losing power, losing authority. Um, you know, where, in fact, I was just having a forum last night talking about the same thing about men's anxiety, men's mental health, um, that, you know, women are able to be vulnerable and fail and be okay with it and move on. Whereas for men, I suppose there's the egoistic side where I'm always winning, I'm always the winner, 
And therefore, when I lose, oh, it's a huge, big failure. And I cannot handle that failure, that whole, you know, um, thought process where I cannot. And that just basically seals it. You know, it's like, full stop. That's it. I'm a goner. I'm, I'm a loser. Bang. Right. Um, there's a lot of fear in that, I feel, I mean, among, among men. And that can also lead to even more problems like, uh, you know, maladaptive coping mechanism, drinking, getting addicted to all kinds of stuff. Um, not actually addressing the problem. It's kind of ironic because men, men seem to be the ones who just want to solve problems. Yes. Like you got a problem, you got to do this. And that's where you got men, women um, fighting, good women want to be heard. They know how to solve the problem. My men is saying, what you want me to listen to you for? You know, just do it. Just yeah, solve yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, when it comes to themselves, it's, it's difficult, more difficult for men to want to reach out because um, I guess the anxiety would be about how other men might view them. Right. But it also comes mm. back down to like they 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 think that they don't have a problem also. They try to hide the fact that they have a problem in a way. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much a very man thing. Uh, whereas women are more open to having problems and having all their girlfriends come over and say, hey, let's share this and let's talk about Correct, this. Yeah. How can we empower you? Yeah. Whereas men is like, hey, dude, problem lah. Yeah. What problem? Yeah. You know, straight come, away. Come, let's uh, drink, right? And then that's how Come, let's starts. drink. Come, let's go Tani somewhere. Let's, yeah, let's yeah. go to the Mama. You know, let's order super cow Milo dinosaur kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but those are very, very short term. Yeah. You know, you, you, after a while, you just get distracted from the issue, but you still have the problem. So men do have anxieties, but we need to kind of accept the fact that we need help. Yep. And not, right. not just the anxiety specific to men. Any kind of anxieties. Um. Because, you know, it's, it's also November, month of November, where we look at men's issues, yes. uh, including mental health issues. We know that, you know, 75% of suicides are men. And partly because of men being really? very impulsive and aggressive as well. Right. Yeah, we know that impulsivity is one of the highest, I mean, high risk for, for suicide. And uh, if you don't really know how to reach out for help and um, embrace your own vulnerability, then... Uh, it's not such good news for men. So we as men need to talk to other men about how we can support each other and also learn how to reach out for support from anybody else. Do you very, think very men are getting better at it though? Talking to other men? I think so. Them? I think so. Men, men are becoming more sensitive in that sense and um, more open to being vulnerable. Especially the younger generation, I find. Because um, they're woke. I suppose so, right. you know, compared to a uh, more old school, uh, stoic kind of, you know, green and buried kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully we get more touchy-feely men um, who are able to address um, problems early and, and not being afraid to, to share them. Yeah, because I mean, it, it, it goes into the workplace as well. I mean, when... Oh, yeah. You, right? Because like, has it, did you actually do your... Um, employers know that you have uh, uh, not all but um, I uh, not 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 everyone I just story to my closest and my trusted friend uh, but my supervisor know that I'm having with this uh, symptom were and you required to disclose that, it to them when you first applied for the job when you first got it uh, no I didn't disclose disclose any any you know any this uh, what, what I'm having because I'm because I am in the phase of recovery, but you know, after because I I quite close with my my uh, supervisor, and even 
you know, uh, after I feel comfortable for quite some time. Uh, so then I be frank with her that I have this anxiety disorder and luckily she is very, very supportive process. And sometimes she, you know, when, when I need help, she will give some, some tips, you know, from, so I, I, uh, it's, uh, she is like a mother for me. So, mm-hmm. And even she knows that I'm joining this podcast. Yeah. So Right. Okay. Yeah. She wishing me all the best. That is the importance of, you know, uh, I think the bosses also is playing an important part, you know, in determining the, uh, you know, in the, in affecting the mental health of the employers. You know, if you have a, uh, a supportive bosses, then yeah, then I think it's, it's, it's very important to have a, a bosses who is very supportive. Uh, yeah. And also um, at my workplace, uh, I also have my, you know, it's like a lunch buddies. So they are quite close to me and they, some few of them know my story. Sometimes they offer me, you know, if you have, you know, if you need some, support extra support just give just give just give me a call or whatnot yeah right and yeah so sometimes if i have a problem i will give a call you know to one or two of my closest friend that's important Doc, dr alvin what do you yeah. think of this i mean uh it's great that uh, some organizations are more accepting of people who have mental strain and so mm. many people are actually going through this right now especially oh, during yeah. covid but mm-hmm. um are organizations doing enough you think um my answer is no (laughs) but there are more and more organizations who are becoming uh more mental health literate and uh i I would applaud people like hazik talking about it to show that hey you know it's not about being crazy it's nothing to do with being crazy you know it's about anxiety having difficulties managing certain things but if we all get together and help each other out you'll be okay yeah there is no need for any stigma we are just like anybody else. In fact, you know, I, I like talking about mental health at work um, a lot. In fact, I, I wrote a whole chapter that's now out. Um, so a shameless plug from me. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's about recognizing that we all would have some kind of mental health issues now and then. Some people just have more than others. We just have to support each other. That's, that's how it is. Uh, there's no need for any kind of stigma. Uh, in fact, I... I I openly tell my my colleagues that I seek uh, employee assistance program help, EAP. Some companies actually outsource, yeah. And I was basically the first person who went for it. You can imagine the the referring doctor was asking me, so what do you do? I say I'm a lecturer. What do you lecture in? A psychology. And she was like, <laughs> why do you need to go and see a psychologist for? And I said, look, um, I'm burnt out. I'm stressed out. I just need to have some check and balance. Um, yeah. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And she was like. <laughs> I had to educate her. Right. So even yeah. within the the circles, there's like uh some like you, you don't need help. Definitely. You're a psychologist. You should be able to handle it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I just want to make sure you know that people know no one is immune to mental health issues. Yes. And it's okay to have. It's, it's even better to ask for help. And yeah. uh, she even asked me, "Why must you go look for a psychologist? Why can't you see friends?" I said, "Well, I can see friends, but I know psychologists like myself. We are well trained." Yeah. And the methods that we use, such as CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, is shown to be um, actually effective. Yeah. So I'd rather, you know, go and see someone who 
has got a track record. Who knows their doing, shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Evidence-based methods than to get drunk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I walk the talk. Yes. And I, I want to let people know, uh, uh, you know, I, I see Hazik as a hero. You know, we, we need to have more people with lived experience to come out and talk about it so that we normalize it. There's, there's nothing wrong. It's just like if you have got fever, you go see the doctor. Yeah. Why? Because it's part of self-care. You know, no one makes fun of you. Hey, you got fever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is it that, you know, you make fun of people with anxiety, with depression? Hi, your anxiety disorder. You, yeah, because we a, all have anxiety. Yeah. Right? Um, and I must say, my, my job is very, very um, stressful. Yeah. I have tons of anxiety every day. We have to rush. We work at home and our computer hangs and you look like that for a while. That's <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, it's strange because I mean like you you hit the nail on the head right there because I think part of the problem like, what, with women, the glass ceiling has been there for generations. I, I don't even know how long it's been there that men have placed on them yeah. right because women mm-hmm. are supposed to stay at home and take care but then when they wanted to start working mm-hmm. you can't be a ceo so men have been at fault for that and i completely accept that and i hope that's changing mm-hmm. but for mm-hmm. for men it is other men that's the cause of stress also in many ways oh yeah because we need yeah. to be macho strong mm. in sales you need to be cold-blooded you need to close that sale you need to drink yeah. more than other people and everything all those locker room yep. chats and everything yes yes it's being competitive. It's a huge problem, isn't it? It is. Yes. Yeah. The How whole privilege. That? Well, we need to have more conversations about men's privilege, about men's power, about men's uh, pressure cooker. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm, I'm at fault this... with it sometimes. I understand. Like, oh, I, yeah. Because I've seen a guy in my office, I remember, mm-hmm. he we work in a high pressure environment, right? So sometimes when, mm-hmm. when, when, hit, when sometimes when shit hits the fan, you need to fix it, but I'm right. doing my part. Mm-hmm. You have to do your part. And mm-hmm. he froze. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I got to do this. So I took over his stuff and cause I'm a, I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. man, I'm a problem solver. Right. So I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked him, dude, what happened? Then he mm-hmm. said he had an anxiety attack. He had a panic attack and mm-hmm. it's completely fine. And he broke down. And he said, he, it's never happened before. He's sorry and everything. Now, if I was a woke person, and I always think I am, I would say, you know what, dude, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll work around it. And I said it, right? I said those words. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, dude, seriously, man up. And yeah. the, the fact that I thought of those words made me so ashamed yeah. because I'm like, I've become one of those guys. You know, yeah. that says and, it's wrong to cry and stuff. And it's not your fault because that's how we've been brought up. You know, I'm also at, at, at fault. I, I own up to it. So as men, we need to start owning up to all these things that we do that maintains that, I guess, uh, gender difference or gender inequality. Right. It's about owning up to it, addressing it as men. Because if, if men's going to be a part of the problem, men should also be part of the solution. Yes. And that's what we talk about in White Ribbon Campaign on the 25th of November, which is men's um, effort to stop violence against women by right. men. Yeah. So we need, to, we need to be the check and balance for other men. Yeah. 
Yeah, and keep on talking about it. You know, uh, let let's break that, I guess, silence. Yeah. Of uh, macho-ness, machismo, whatever you, yeah. you call it. Um, Actually, we're on, human beings. On that, also, do you think, like, again, it's a social media thing or a media thing? I don't know how you want to put it, but there's all all these being macho and cool and whatever, right? CEOs, startup CEOs, and whatnot. Like, yeah. oh, these guys made it, you know, they started in the garage and look at them now. They they got funding here, funding there. I've worked in a startup before and I know it ain't no bit of roses. It's it's pretty mm. horrible sometimes, to be oh, honest yeah. with you. Yeah. They Don't go through high rules, levels man. of anxiety. Yep. So why are we why are we glamorizing that though? It's a romantic idea. Right. A lot of things that we glamorize are all romantic ideas. Even the whole concept of happiness is a romantic idea. Last yeah. time I was asked. Why can't we teach people how to find happiness? I'm like, you don't find happiness, you feel happiness. Right. That's, you don't oh, try wow, to that's look for happiness one. because you'll be, you're a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> you, won't, you won't find happiness. If you look for happiness, you get frustrated. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's this romantic idea where we have got, you know, happily ever after kind of thing. But just like anxiety, happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes. Um. So just like any kind of success, success is, is a romantic idea. We succeed at one point, but success is only that one point. Unless we keep on moving, you cannot just shout sneery or forever because, you know, uh, that's just one point. Yeah. Because there's so much very failure, well. <laughs> right? Yeah. There's a lot of failure before you actually get to that success, right? Correct. And you'll fail again yeah. and again and again. Um, you know, all the answers that I may give, give all of you uh, may sound good, but they're all easier said than done. Okay, let's, mm. let's talk about treatments. Um, how do you treat uh, someone with anxiety, not necessarily disorder? How's it you had, and not necessarily everybody has to do this, but you were given antidepressants, you went through medication, yeah. and you also went for CBT. So how, break it down for us from a, from uh, a personal experience. How, what do they do in CBT? Oh, okay. Uh, I the CBT is uh, stands for cognitive behavior therapy. So uh, I received my first CBT when I was in the summit, when I was on my second or my third year of my uh, diploma. Mm. But then I found it helpful because I don't have a trust with my therapist. Uh, I can't I can't work with my therapist because oh, yeah? I think. Because he the the because the government hospital gave me a uh, a, a post grad student tra- uh, therapist, so uh-huh. he is still under training. Yeah, so he 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 is still under supervision. Uh, so I found that it's a bit awkward to to work with him. Number one is because uh, he don't have any uh, experience mm-hmm. because he's still a student who did the masters for his final year. I'm a bit uncomfortable because uh, he want to use my stories for his research right which is i'm not agree because the objective is not to you know not to not to help me but you want to help with your research Yourself. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh back in 2015 you know i keep you know I, when i i started to become disappointed with the psychologists that are provided by the government facilities and after a few times i started to google uh, where is the uh, therapist 
where 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 I can found the treatment, but with an affordable price. And from there, I started to search, and I found this Souls Health. Yeah. Before, yeah. So I started to found Souls Health, and from that, I meet with my therapist, Elisha. Uh, so she is my uh, principal psychologist. Uh, so She's my during that student. time, I'm very proud of her. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. okay. Wow. okay. Shout out right there. Yeah. So, so Dr. Alvin is a you know you are the the advisor. So Elisha is my my uh, my therapist back then back in 2015, and I am among during that time they just founded this uh, NGO so called mm. NGO with a very small team, only two therapists at that time. So during the CBT. She brings me try to identify what is the main triggers. So CBT, what what is the main triggers of my anxiety, right? For example, if I'm I'm sitting for my examination, you know, what is the what is the main triggers of uh, what that led me what led me to the you know to have this or panicky symptoms, right? Mm. So it's involved a few homeworks, I can say, uh, few homeworks. You know how you want to identify your talk, your symptoms, your feelings, and how you can overcome it. And of course, when you have the uh, negative talk, how you want to challenge that negative talk. So that is what CBT is. What is so that 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 is the model of uh, CBTs. So it involves your cognitive, it involves your emotion, it involves your behavior. So if you have a negative talk, you know you need to jot down. This is uh among your your therapist will ask you to jot down. Oh, that's the journal uh, you're talking about. Talk. Sorry, that's the journal part that you were talking about, is it? Yeah, yeah. It's not not simple journal. Journal is one of it, but you can you know if for example if you feeling anxious, just wrote down what what you know what 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 do you think? Uh, what is your automatic talk that arise during that time for example i am i'm stupid i'm a loser and then when you come back to your therapist your therapist will challenge it whether this negative talk is true or not yeah mm-hmm. from there you can then only you realize okay i am lonely i am worthless but is it true then you know maybe With the psychologist, we guide you on how to challenge with the, with the talk, you know. So with, it works uh, through some, the emotions, then. Yeah, so it we bring it to your emotion, and sometimes it we bring to your childhood also. Uh, you know what happened during your childhood mm. is bring you to the deeper, deeper level of states of your emotions. Yeah, and it we bring it will works with your memory as well. And of course, during the session, they will teach you on the coping skills. Yeah. So one of the coping skills is, for example, if you have anxiety, so it's about a deep breathing, uh, you know, progressive muscle relaxation, journaling, and these coping skills is not to be practiced when you have the anxiety, but it need to be practiced before you have anxiety. So it's like a preparation before, you know. If the t- that things happen, so you can manage manage it well, yeah. So, for example, if uh, you know, I want to go out to because before this, I'm having a uh, after after the 
you know, after the situation, after the incident uh, of the SPM. So when I go out to the shopping malls or like a huge area, I'm feel, feeling like a palpitation, fainted. So it's like a phobia to me. So, and then this is when 2015, I work with my therapist. So she, you know, a lot of uh, like a behavior therapy. Uh, so, you know, before I went out to the shopping malls, I will do a deep reading, uh, deep reading a lot. I will visualize as in, uh, as in I'm walking in the, into the shopping malls. And then when, you know, when after, after a while, then the, it's become better, you know, the, uh, I don't have the symptoms anymore and it become under control. Do you feel like you're more like stronger? Do you feel you're more resilient to a lot of things right now that would have, a, would have triggered you? Like nowadays it's like, I can handle it. Yeah, I can say, uh, I can say I feel a bit more better, you know, than what happened five years ago. At least right now, I'm more prepared and standby just in case, you know what, just in case uh, anything happened to me. You know, I, I can say that I'm more, more prepared and equipped with a tools and knowledge to, to deal with. Let's say if I'm having a panic attack again, mm-hmm. I, I can, you know, at least I have a knowledge to deal with it, how to tackle with it. But of course, sometimes relapse happen. Yeah, yeah sometimes yeah. relapse yeah. happen. Yeah, of course. Yeah, sometimes I'm having insomnia, having a panic attacks. Yeah, then you know it's normal because it's part of part of life to have yeah. this. I, I think we relapse into I, everything. You know, like even diet yeah. right now. Like once in a while. Yes. Yeah. You need you need a junk food, man. Once in a while, why not? Yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah. But Doctor Alvin, what what is your preferred? I, I, and again, I, I don't know enough about this. Is there a preferred mode of treatment or is there a different kind of treatment for different cases? Different people would be attracted to different kinds of approaches. CBT is just one approach. There are many approaches these days. Um, CBT is normally prescribed because it's the most researched one. So we are more confident that it should work on most people most of the time. Mm. Um, but there are many other methods. There's, of course, a psychodynamic method that came from Freud and gang. Right, right. Not as scientific, but can be scientifically um, researched. There's uh, the newer ones that's uh, something like uh, acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, there is also mindfulness based cognitive therapy. But there are many methods. The whole idea is for you to change, to switch from a, a not so nice place to a nicer place. Right. Right. For example, if you are highly anxious, since we are talking about anxiety disorders, you are coming from a place of anxiety to move yourself into a place of less anxiety or manageable anxiety. So if you are used to anxiety and very familiar with it, you're going to get anxious very quickly because it is familiar. Just like if you are a typically angry person, you're very familiar with anger. So because you're familiar with it, it's easy for you to get angry. So that's your go-to emotion. Yes. So in terms of anxiety, therapy would want to bring you from being familiar with anxiety to being more familiar with relaxation. So once you're more familiar with it, it's easy for you to then be more relaxed. And that's something that Hazik went through. 
training and training and training, not just about relaxation, but also about uh, training the thought process from being maladaptive. I wouldn't even call them negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. I would call them maladaptive thoughts, thoughts that are not useful for you in the long run. And to change it to something that is more uh, useful, adaptive, that you can use for coping. Like Hazik said, you don't use coping when you are actually in the anxiety. I mean, you do. There are certain kinds of coping. But um, the trick to managing any kind of mental illness is to not focus on the symptoms. You're going to focus on the Mm non-symptoms. How can you prolong the time where you don't show any symptoms? That's the main part of it. And that's what I hear Hazik telling us. That you're going to work every day on prolonging being not anxious until you get anxious then you do something about it uh with the kind of skills you have prepare so those barriers about, before the flood comes then yeah that kind of thing and you're creating a scaffolding around yourself mm. part of which is um a social scaffolding knowing who to seek help from um personal scaffolding as in you know how to pick yourself up all right there's there's emotional there is behavioral there is um cognitive Behavioral would be knowing how to breathe and how to exercise. Regular exercise is one thing. Also, it buffers you against stress. Oh, really? Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, it's it's, it's uh, research uh, evidence also. Um, so, basically, you are trying to activate behaviors that promotes relaxation and feeling of ease. And to behave in that way, you're going to have all kinds of cognitive challenges. You know, voices in your head saying, no need lah, malas lah, taper lah. Is that, is that you know, the devil and the angel on your shoulder kind of correct. thing? Correct. You are trying to change your behaviors and then this devil telling you that you can't, you're a loser. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Don't you remember you are such a loser that you are you panic? Come on, panic. Yeah, yeah. So these right. are the thoughts that you're fighting all the time because you want to change. Hmm. So that's why it's called cognitive behavior therapy. You are trying to change your behavior but you're going to address your cognitions that, um, what's that word? Huh? That sabotages your efforts in changing. Right. So cognitions come in all forms and you're trying to identify the thoughts that sabotage you, challenge them, and then find more beneficial way of thinking, practice them to the point that you're so used to it that whenever you get a sabotaging thought, you go, ha ha ha, gotcha. You're not going to disturb me this time. I'm going right, to think right. this way. Ha-ha. And then you move on. Um, that takes time. It's yeah. easier said than done. You will fail. And even though you feel comfortable doing it, you will fail again. Something will trigger you. Um, and that happens to me too. I'm a clinical psychologist by training. I'm a mess. You know, wow. I'm burnt out at work. Yeah, which is to the point that I have to go seek help. Um, but I know to seek help. And I'm able to... Um, embrace my own, I guess, uh, mental unhealthiness to the point that sometimes when I listen to Hazik, I, I, I'm jealous of him. <laughs> He's doing it so well. Yeah. He's so um, disciplined. So thank you, Hazik, for inspiring me. It, the first Most step to solving problems. a problem is knowing that you have a problem, right? Yeah. 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 So Hazik, I just need a, a word of advice from you before someone has actually gone through it who's who lives it every single day and is in my in my in my mind at least you're you, you've got a, a handle on, on it right 
So for people yeah. who are suffering from anxiety or they think that they might have an attack or they have had an attack, what would you want to say to them? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, there is one term when you are feel not okay. So there's one term that I would like to share. It's okay not to feel... Uh, what, is, what is the term? It's okay not to be okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. If you, it's okay to be not okay. Because yeah, yeah. Um, we're all not okay every now and then. And that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Because at the end, we are just normal human being that need help. That you know, with a lot of weaknesses, uh, you know, uh, just remember that uh, you are not alone. Uh, there are a lot of um, expert and professional out there that are willing to help. You know, people like Dr. Alvin, you know, just raise your hand. Just you know, bear in mind that this is. Uh, is manageable. This anxiety is not, you know, this is manageable. It's totally manageable. And, you know, just raise your hand. Remember, you are not alone and it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, please just raise your hand and please uh, seek advice and help from the expert you know, or the people that it's that, that you are trusted the most. So for yeah. those who do want help, Um, at the top of your heads, gentlemen, who would be the best person or where would be the best place to go to to get this help? I would say your GP. All right. Family doctor. Most most uh, doctors these days are very much trained in mental health literacy. They would be able to do um, very basic assessments and refer you on. Um, if you're able to find a counselor, go speak to a counselor first. They will provide you with uh, an assessment to see whether or not you would require a psychiatrist. We'll refer you to a psychiatrist. I mean, if you're not too sure, you feel that you might need help, then um, get a referral to see a psychiatrist. You don't right. have to be mad to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, uh, a friend of mine got very upset that he was sent to see a psychiatrist because he had sleep problems. Right. Yeah. But psychiatrists do that. They prescribe medication for sleep problems. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't mean you're mad. He got very offended by his uh, family doctor. So what? I'm not crazy, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, feel free to seek help from your local GP, and then get a referral to see a psychiatrist. And psychiatrists will not simply just medicate you just because you know you've got some problem. They will check you out first. Right. And then perhaps they will refer you to the counselor and say, okay, you don't need any medication right now. Just work on this first. And come back and, and check on it later on. Yeah. Because um, they are also ethical. They don't simply want to just charge you money so that they can, you know, drug you tons. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe some are like that, but <laughs> the ones I know, yeah, the, you know, the good ones, though, the good ones that, Yeah. Look for the good yeah. ones, right? And Amirul, yeah. what about you? You you mentioned uh, souls. You mentioned souls health, right? They're a good place to yeah. actually get the help as well, right? Yeah. It's one of the uh, one of the place, yeah, that. Actually, they they provide uh, a consult. Uh, actually, they provide uh, an, a professional counseling by a clinical psychologist with a subsidized rate. Yeah, so with a subsidized rate. So, like, if you went to a private, if you're seeking for a clinical psychologist services, uh, I mean, for a private from a private practice, if it costs you around 150 to 350, right. correct me if I'm wrong, doctor. Yeah, yeah out correct. there. Very expensive yeah. per, hour. To, yeah. per hour. Per mm. hour. Okay. Per hour. Yeah. Per hour. It's not. Yeah. Per hour. 
So if you want to look for the government, if you are waiting for the government, you need to queue up. Yeah, you need to queue up. To and you need to go to take. like a KKM, get a, get some kind of letter before you actually get to speak to. Yeah, the letter. Yeah. yeah. And it will, you know, if it will, uh, uh, you need to to wait. And yeah. of course, there is a yeah a long queue that you need to wait. Uh, so is one of it, and uh, the other, and there are a lot of the organization that come that uh, arise right now that provide with a subsidized rate, uh, like what I know is a mental M M H E right mental yeah, yes mental, mental health association. Health. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Miasa as well. Yeah. 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 All right. That's that. They they are among the organization that provide with a subsidized rate. Yeah. Gentlemen, this has been a very very eye opening uh chat with you. And uh, Hazik's absolutely right. If you want to get more details on how to get in touch with Souls Health, you can go to the website. It's www.soulshealth.org. That's s o l s health.org. Professor Dr. Alvin Ng, thank you so much for chatting uh, with us, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure this won't be the last time we're going to have uh, this chat. We're going to have more interesting chats in the future. But thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me. And uh, Amirul Hazik Umar, Hazik, thank you so much for yeah. your time as well. Yeah, thank you for inviting to. Yeah, nice meeting you. Yeah, thank right. you, Hazik. I mean, yeah, yeah, thank you so much, Doctor. Yeah. <laughs>